Hello and welcome to Marvel Vision, a weekly Marvel Studios superhero show. What the, what am I even saying? A weekly MCU. Hi, welcome to Marvel Vision, a weekly, what is my intro on this? I know you do it different every time. It's just, hi, welcome to Marvel Vision, a show where we talk about superhero TV shows. That's all, that's all you gotta say. Brought to you by Cinema Sangha. My name is Devin Franchi, I'm one of the hosts of this program, joining me as he does every week. My name is Derek Ferracci, and I don't know how many pounds make up a ton of all the Nobel Prize that I haven't won. How you doing, Derek? Doing good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm, I, my brain's a little fried. I got um, school. I got a new freelance gig, and I have my day job. Well, so I've been like go. really out of my brain busy the last five days. Yeah? Yeah, it's just totally fried my brain. Totally, absolutely fried my brain. Um. I don't know what's going on anymore. I'm glad that this is a, a peacemaker because I'm glad that you're the one who has to do the recap and not me. <laughs> yes. There you go. Uh, how uh, we got any uh, Marvel Studios or DCEU news? We do. We do. We've got uh, I'm going to start with some uh, Flash news. The Flash, you say? Yeah. You know what they say about the Flash? No. What do they say? Yeah, I met the Flash. Like everybody else has ever met him, I thought he was an unbearable D-bag. That's what they say about the Flash. Here you go. <laughs> like everybody else who's ever met him. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> What's your uh, Flash news? Uh, once again, taking to Instagram, Ezra Miller oh, put up a picture of uh, Ben Affleck Batman from an article with a little snippet from an article where it says that uh, Affleck is done playing Batman. And he wrote over the picture, ha, 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 which has led people, people thinking that that means he's not done playing Batman. I felt like it was something where Ezra Miller was like, ha, 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 he's out. But who knows? Does this maybe mean that he's involved with the KKK? Maybe. Thus becoming Ezra Miller's (laughs) sworn enemy? Or is Ezra Miller the Joker because he took a picture of Batman and wrote ha, ha, ha over it? Very strange. Yes, yeah. Uh, continuing on Flash news, it looks like the Flash TV show might be coming to an end as Grant Gustin signs a deal for a 15-episode ninth season. Uh, which they, Nine seasons? Yeah, which they really had to convince him to do. He did not want to do it, and they offered him, uh, according to Deadline, uh, $200,000 an episode for 15 episodes. I mean, that's not bad. That's pretty. That's pretty good. <laughs> I, I, I take it. Yeah. I take that. Yeah, they offered him a multi-million-dollar deal for, uh, for signing up for longer for more seasons, and he he was not for that. What do you think? You think when the Flash is done, do you think that the CW Arrowverse is over? No, no, because they just uh, ordered a pilot for Gotham Knights, a show about. Uh, Damian Wayne and the children of some of Batman's villains hunting down the person who killed Batman. Yeah, but that's not the Arrowverse, is it? But they're all connected. They're all interconnected in different ways. But also, I feel like, do any other shows... Flash was like the last one that had... Not not that any of these shows had any real pop culture impact, frankly. Yeah. But Flash feels like the last one that like people watched who were not just already deeply involved in these CW shows. Does that make sense? And it was also the second one, so I don't know. That's what, what I'm saying. Like, I think yeah. since, since the second one, I don't think any of them have cr- have crossed over in any meaningful way. I think the first season of Black Lightning did, but that fell off. 
I think that that had some crossover interest, but it, it went away. And then, um, I guess that's probably it, right? And but I guess I don't know what their like threshold for popularity is. So I guess it really depends, right? I mean, it just seems so weird to me that like this is the golden age of superhero stuff, and nobody cares about these shows. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty wild that they. I mean, people care. Like, like these shows win like like those weird like audience awards and stuff all the time. But you know, it, it's. It's weird that they have done this huge, honestly huge, inter-universe crossover stuff, and it gets no attention. Everyone, like, you know, it's it's interesting. It's weird. Well, what it reminds me of, in a lot of ways, is The Walking Dead, which has a big universe yeah. and has a bunch of shows, and obviously is quite popular. But I, you can't. It's hard to find anybody that you might personally know who really watches it, or and and if you do know somebody who watches it, they probably don't talk about it. Like they don't really have like a lot to say about it. I mean, here's the thing. Like this is something I see a lot with Walking Dead, and I see a lot with the uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Yellowstone is people on Twitter being like, "Who watches these shows? Nobody watches these shows, but they're huge." Here in the Midwest, people watch those shows. They love them. No, hundred percent. I mean, Yellowstone's a big, big show. It's a, it's I think like one of the biggest shows on television, like in terms yeah. of audience. And yeah. but the thing is that nobody talks about it, and it's isn't this weird, you know? Well, they talk about, it, but they don't talk about it online because they're not online people, right? You know, and and so and I imagine that's I think that's how these CW shows go. I just I can't, know. I can't believe it because they are online people. Because it's the same way my girlfriends. Well, are, like, like, are they online people? In the sense of what we think of as online, like like every Tuesday on my little trending section on Twitter, Legends of Tomorrow is trending. But that's because I'm interested in Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, that's what, those, that. what I think that's you what know. people don't say about trending topics is very yeah. often they're more tailored than people realize they are. Yeah, where, where like if you go to the actual trending topic, because what Twitter is set up where it's like it's trending for you and then trending. So like I look right now, trending for me, the top thing is Euphoria. And then I go to trending. It's and the top thing, Well, the top thing is Euphoria. Yeah, yeah. same play as Euphoria. Okay. <laughs> but like, all right. So Sally Struthers is trending for me because there's a picture of her showing up on set for for uh, uh, what's that show? I can't remember the name of the show. All of a sudden, that all in the show? family. All, all in the family. family. But she is not trending in the actual trending. Why did I say that '90s show? I was just trying to think about no that idea. '90s show, and it's just in my head. I just jumped right to it. Sally Struthers. I don't know why. I mean, I was like, well, did they cast her in that that '90s oh, okay. show? No. But like um, the, the actual trending is Euphoria, Emmy, which I think is a character from Euphoria. I don't know. Probably one of the Real Housewives, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, which I've never even heard of. It's been a big deal the last couple of weeks. I fired somebody for using the N word. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing: fiance. Andy so my, my 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 one of my girlfriend's best friends is a really big supernatural person. Yeah, those people are really online, but yes. you'll never come across them. No. But they're they're online, like they're yes. very online, and I mean, they, they got fifteen fight. seasons and a spinoff somehow. And they fight online with each other. They're very very active and they're very crazy. They're like yeah. troubling. That's like a, it's like a, it's actually maybe the most troubling fan base I've come across. Really, um, supernatural fan base? Uh huh. Yeah. Wow, that's they're that's surprising. Bonkers. They're that is surprising. Totally wild. Um, and it's mostly women, and it's mostly older women. So it's like in Supernatural when they went to the convention. Well, Supernatural is often very much in dialogue with its own fan base. Yeah. 
And that stuff sometimes makes the fans mad, sometimes doesn't. But they have like a lot of – it's like a very strange – but they're very online, but you wouldn't run into them and you wouldn't think of them. So I'm sure there's a CW contingent that's like that. Yeah. But we just don't see them in the in I the mean, mainstream superhero world yeah. and film and world of Twitter. Somebody's watching these shows because they keep they keep making new ones, right? Yeah, so but there can't be that many people. I mean, it's enough that CW is like we're just going to keep going down this road. We were watching mm-hmm. an old season of Survivor, like season eight of Survivor, and they did a phone poll for people to vote for their most their favorite Survivor from that season, and they got a phone poll. You call nine hundred number, pay money, right? 38 million people voted. I'm sorry, no, 38 million? No show on television today gets 38 million viewers. That's crazy. <laughs> That's just the people who voted. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> like, imagine that. Like, imagine today. So, like, probably, like, who watches the CW shows is probably, like, 800,000 people. <laughs> And that's like that's pretty good. We'll, we'll keep yeah, like, like, I, I think Flash is still their highest rated show, and I think it barely breaks a billion. A billion, or a million? Jesus, a billion? Yeah, a billion. It's watched by everyone. <laughs> One sixth of the Earth watches this show. <laughs> you think I saw? It's very weird, though. So, like, like twenty twenty one most pirated shows. Three, four. The Flash was the fifth most pirated show in twenty twenty one. So well, they're they still making it an audience for it. Well, <laughs> it's not an audience by I mean, network standards. No, no, yeah, they're not getting any any help out of that. But it's interesting that there's still that much for it. I'm like, not trying to put this show down or any no, of the no, shows no. down. No, I don't think you are. It's just it, I agree with you. It's really it's consistently shocking to me that these shows have lasted as long as they have, especially now as we enter an age with more high budget superhero shows that these are still going is very like shocking and, and impressive in some fashion. But I think what's even more amazing to me is that in this world where superhero stuff reigns supreme, that we just don't have weekly discussions about it. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? That's just is not like, it just doesn't take over the way that some other shows take over social media. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me back in the day, the, what, what the media covers and what people media adjacent talk about is not the same thing as what the regular universe talks about because you can go back to the nineties and the early two thousands and like Buffy and the X-Files are getting magazine covers, but nobody really watched those shows. Yeah. I mean, like people obviously did. Right. But like compared to other more popular shows, nobody watched those shows, but they were the shows that everybody, everybody talks about. I was listening today to uh, the latest episode of the, the Dana Gould show or the Dana Gould hour. And he has a, uh, He's talking about X Files, and and he has a Jonah Ray on, and they're talking about X Files, and and Dana Gould is like, you know, the X Files was on every magazine cover in like 1997, 1998, and then it vanished. And Jonah Ray's like, yeah, because they realized they didn't sell magazines. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they were no longer on the covers. Yeah, yeah. All right, what else we got? Uh, we got. Uh, Dakota Johnson is moving on to Marvel for a bit. Dakota Johnson has apparently been cast as Madam Web. This is the craziest casting in the history of the universe, or else they're just not doing any kind of Madam Web that's even remotely related to Madam Web. Well, here's the thing, because I when this came out, I tweeted like I'm very confused because Madam Web is an old woman who is like paralyzed. So this is very confusing casting to me. Like where are they going with this? Apparently, when one Don Slot, Dan Slot was doing Spider Man, he introduced a new Madam Web who is young and hip and sexy, and that's probably who this will be. Based, well, that's on. so funny. Yes, yeah. So the Madam Web that you and I know, 
she is she's gone apparently. Well, that's too bad because I quite like the old Madam Web who literally sits in the middle of a web. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was awesome. She was super weird, and uh, it's like really funny too because uh, it's just like it's one of those characters like that Sony just they're desperately trying to grab on to. Uh, Anything, anything they can make into a movie. It's like yeah. very, it's like, it's like frankly a little bit embarrassing. It's what they got. And let's face it, Venom worked. <laughs> so, so they're like, go, go, go. Well, yeah, Venom worked for sure. And I mean, like, I think that was always a reasonable assumption that Venom might work. Yeah. Madam Web, though, is like bonkers. But, okay, Venom worked, but then Venom 2 worked as well. And I think that's the really shocking part. I don't is think that so. Venom, that Venom it did versus better Carnage? than the first one? No, it's not shocking because I think people didn't go see it the first one because they thought it was dumb or whatever, and then they caught up with it at home and they were like, "Oh, this is supposed to be dumb." Okay, I get it now. But, but I, I mean, that's the thing: is Venom feels like the kind of thing where it has a big opening weekend and then vanishes, and the sequel comes out and nobody goes to see it because really nobody liked the first one. But that's not what happened. People liked the first one because they made a good one. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, that's shocking. the thing. They made, they made a good first one. They actually, the most shocking thing is that Sony understood, or somebody at Sony anyway, understood what this character, how dumb this character is as a solo character and did the yeah. right thing with it and made it like kind of ridiculous yeah. and like campy. And yeah, it was Tom Hardy. I think Tom Hardy figured that out. And it was just a really brilliant move and it really worked for them. Now, do they, does, does, does Sony understand this continuously? Do they understand this next? Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, do they understand that nobody cares about Madame Web? <laughs> I, Any version of Madame Web? Because, like, today, I went to the movies today, and they had the uh, uh, Morbius trailer before the movie, and it looks like a dour and grim movie, but then I'm like, that's how the how the Venom trailers were, too, though. Like, the Venom trailers did not show Tom Hardy get into a a fish tank filled with lobsters to cool down, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I'm interested to see. I'm very curious as well. I'm curious about all this stuff. I'm curious. I mean, we talked about this before on the show. I'm curious what lesson Sony learned from Spider-Man No Way Home making $12 billion. Like that's the big question. Does, is, is it, is it a matter of Sony going, Oh, well we can just do whatever we want. You know, we run, we run the world now or does Sony go, boy, we really need to stick with Marvel and help have them help us because you know, we're not able to do this on our own. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's very interesting. We'll, we'll find out sooner or later. We will find out sooner or much, much sooner. I think rather than later, frankly. Yeah. Whenever uh, Morbius comes out, when Morbius comes out, but then also when they begin actually putting things in production and when they, when whatever begins happening with Spider-Man next. Yeah. That's when we're going to figure it out. We're going to see what the real deal is, which Tom Holland's keeping everybody on their toes with that. He sure is. He goes from interview to interview saying different things where he's like, I'm done with the character. And then 10 minutes later being interviewed by somebody else, he's like, I'm in it for life. <laughs> like, so which one is it, man? Yeah. yeah. I think he's all over the place. I think he is all over the place. Do you know what I mean? I think he's a younger guy who has been doing um, Spider-Man for like a decade forever. Yeah, yeah, for a decade. And the thing is that what I realized is that it's like actually a lot of work. Yeah. Because he's yeah. like he's he's churning out where like essentially a movie a year at this at the at the current rate. Yeah, because he's appearing in other movies too. 
Yeah. And then he's got to stay in shape and stuff like that. Like that's like a, it's like a lot of work and he's spending like a lot of time. No offense to friends of mine who live in Atlanta, Georgia, but he's got to spend a lot of time in Atlanta, Georgia. And that may not be what he wants to do with himself. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like that may not be like his scene. Yeah. And then even when he's not making one, he's spending a lot of time talking about it. Yeah. It really becomes a centerpiece of your life for 10 years. It's a lot. I, t- I totally get where this kid is coming from in terms of like sort of wanting to leave it behind. I feel like he's going to maybe like um, try to make a couple of like serious movies or like indies and try to go for uh, an Oscar, make a couple of Sundance movies. And then when those don't do anything, he'll come well, running he, back. Happily he had that one, Spider-Man. right? He he's had one on Apple Plus. Yeah, he's had one on Apple Plus, but I don't count those because they just make so, there's so many streaming movies now that I don't think they you can't even count them against somebody. It no, I'm not counting against them anyway, but I mean that was him and that was the Russos being like we can do right. more than superheroes they, and everyone's right. like no. No, no you not we, we don't want from you. Yeah, we don't want that. Apparently I didn't even see it, but I heard it's quite bad, so I mean, I that's not seen probably it. part of the problem. It's like two and a half hours long. Okay, well, I don't know. All right, what else we got? Uh we've got uh uh, Gugu Mbatha Raw, uh, she said that uh, she's going to be in Loki season two and they're going to be filming it, but she can't say anything else. So we already knew it was coming. I'm kind of shocked they haven't already started filming. They're filming it later on this summer or the fall, I believe is the deal. It seems like a long time. It's interesting that she's going to be in it. I've I guess it makes of, a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, it ended with her taking the info and leaving, right? Like being like, I'm going to stop this or whatever. Like she has to come back. Yeah. But you know, I guess the thing is that because she's so tied, like her character is so tied into Kang, the conqueror. Yeah. And I don't know what's happening with Kang. And, but I guess maybe he'll show up and be a major character in Loki too. I mean, it's maybe. like, there's no way of knowing. I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Like a lot of times with the superhero movies, when they tell you like what the source material is, you can really begin to make a lot of educated guesses. Yeah. But like with Loki, you just can't like, there's just, you don't know what they're doing. They're doing their own thing more or less at this point, unless they're going to tell us, Oh, actually we're really drawing from this storyline for the sequel. Yeah. But it feels pretty original. Yes. And then uh, back to Marvel for a moment, or to that DC for a moment. I am uh, to DC for a moment. Uh, there's theories that Michael Keaton is in Aquaman 2 because Michael Keaton's assistant is listed in the Aquaman 2 IMDb page as Michael Keaton's assistant, which is kind of weird. IMDb is user generated. I would not even begin to. It's user generated, but it's weird that somebody just put his assistant in there. It's weird. That's a weird thing. I mean, it might just be an error. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just think it's fun. And then in sad news, Channing Tatum discussed his Gambit movie and how he can't watch Marvel movies because it breaks his heart that he didn't get to play Gambit. What's and what's he, what's sad about this? His whole thing is he's like he's like I, I wanted like where's his quote where he talks about why he wanted to beat Gambit so bad. Uh, him and his buddy wrote the script. They mm-hmm. uh, 20th Century Fox wouldn't let them. Directed. They wanted to direct it themselves, yeah. Yeah. But we'd never directed anything and they didn't like that. Uh, people call him flamboyant. We called him flamboyant. That was his description. Uh, he's just the coolest person. He could pull out anything off. Most superheroes, their outfits are utilitarian. Uh, Batman's got his belt. Gambit's like, no, this shit's just fly, bro. Uh, this shit walked down the Paris run- runway last year. He's just wearing the stuff that looks dope because he loves fashion. And, uh, it was a, they wanted it, they were making a superhero romantic comedy, was what, what their script was. 
And he said he didn't get to do it. I mean, I'm, that's that is too bad. Channing Tatum is a terrific dude. He made his directorial debut with the upcoming movie Dog. Yes, which the trailer has been in front of every movie for the past six months. Uh, I would have to let you know. I probably will go see Dog. I have not seen the trailer. Oh, really? Yeah, I've seen it a hundred times. No, and I just went to the movies today, and there was wow. a trailer for Dog. I've seen it so much. You know, the thing is for me. I have to be up front here. I hate Gambit. I hate Gambit. I hate him. I hate his guts. He might be, he's possible he is my least favorite. He's definitely my least favorite X-Man. Yeah. He might be my least favorite comic book character. He's up there. Yeah. He's up there. And I mean, part of that is because of the way that Chris Claremont wrote him with the super stylized. Mon Cherie every fucking time. Like, like that <laughs> yeah. was like, like for all, for like a lot of years, like that kind of shit in X-Men really worked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because like every time Colossus said, Boje moi, uh, you like, you're like, okay, that's cool. You know? And, and, and you got, got down with it. Like that Chris Claremont, like shorthand writing that he did where the characters just had things. They always said it again and again and again and again. Yeah. That worked. But then you got to Gambit and it just stopped working for me. Cause I thought he was just so fucking irritating. Um, you know, and, and then I don't know what, I guess, how do you do well you just do a gambit romantic comedy but like in my brain he's so deeply tied into rogue yeah that i don't know how you do it without rogue i don't know i don't know i guess you just do a different woman but like that doesn't feel right and she's called rouge rouge that's how everybody spells it anyway <laughs> yep. there you go <clears throat> well you know what this kind of thing is the kind of thing that makes kevin feige reach out to channing tatum by the yes. way and say hey and, and, and that that's a thing because we know that kevin feige listens so i'm hoping that we we get him on here that he, that, cause I don't know. I don't know if he reads variety, but I know he listens to us. <laughs> uh, but mainly I just, I really like Channing Tatum and I think Gambit's a terrible character, but I also think Channing Tatum would be like, no, we have to make him really doofy and fun. And he would do that. Like I trust Channing Tatum. I don't know. The new one he's got coming out with Sandra Bullock. I think that looks hilarious. That looks really, really good. Yeah. I think he understands how to play that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm sure he'd be really good. I, him doing a French accent or a Cajun accent would be fucking unbearable maybe. But, if he um, does it, he may not do it. He has to. I don't know. He doesn't t- discuss the accent in this interview. That's because the, whoever interviewed him does not have the correct questions at hand to ask him if he was going to do a Cajun accent the whole fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. Or would he like have like a fake accent and all of a sudden at the end he would reveal that he's Cajun? I don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll find out. You know, you never know. Kevin Feige, listen, and K- uh, Gambit could be showing up. I mean, like, we're probably moving quick to the introduction of the X-Men. We're probably close. Yeah. I'd have to guess, because we're getting the Fantastic Four quite soon. Yeah. I know. And, I mean, I can't imagine they want to sit, have Deadpool sit on the sidelines for too long, because they know that's a moneymaker. So. Yeah, well, they want Deadpool back out there. Um, but he can – the thing about Deadpool is that he can have a Deadpool 3 with or without the X-Men in action. Yes, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because he can just talk about that. Yeah. So that's like a lot of freedom for them. Um, it actually would be really fun if Kevin Feige showed up in Deadpool 3 and Deadpool g- grilled Kevin Feige about what the future of the X-Men are. Yes. That would be kind that's of a the whole movie. That's the whole movie. <laughs> Is him searching for Kevin Feige. <laughs> uh, that would that would be a lot of fun. Trying to find out where he fits into the universe. That actually, 
that's actually not a terrible idea for a Deadpool movie. Go full meta, like just all yeah. the way. Like when Flash used to go visit the DC offices. Yeah. 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 There you go. All right, is that all of our news? That's all the news. All right, I guess it's time for us to start talking about the latest episode of Peacemaker, I guess, huh? Nope. All right. We got jokes from the official DC Superhero Joke Book. Jesus. More than 600 funnies funnies to read and share. We do love sharing them. Yeah. What Halloween decoration did Wonder Woman make using her unbreakable rope? What? Which one? A lasso lantern. You got a beep on that. I, I agree with that the beep. Was, it was that, bad. That, that was my uh, echo. Your echo just killed itself because of that bad joke? <laughs> yeah, I hope not because it's my sound bar and it's very expensive. <laughs> uh, Aquaman never plays an instrument. He prefers to sing aquapella. There we go. Yeah. Did you hear they're making a movie about Aquaman? I did not. It'll be a major ocean picture. Oh. This is why the children are bad today. This is, it looks like we're, we're into a section that's just Aquaman jokes. Nice. I'm excited. Nice. All right. Now can we talk about Peacemaker? I guess so. Let's do it. Episode six, Mern after reading. We pick up right where episode five ended, where Mern is standing over uh, Leota out in the rain on the streets, and she is terrified. And Mern says, I'm not going to hurt you. And uh, Hardcore shows up out of nowhere. And they they say to, to Leota, it's time you learn the truth. It really seems for a moment like Hardcore maybe is going to shoot Leota. Uh, yeah. Well, I thought maybe Hardcore was also a butterfly. A, a butterfly. But nope. Uh, they go inside and they explain that Hardcore has known that uh, Mern has been a, a butterfly for a while. She figured it out back at Goff's house when the explosion went off and he didn't get hurt. And... Uh, she says, it, she says it in the most nerdy way possible. That a bomb went off in his face? And he didn't take any damage. He didn't take any damage. Yep. Which is like such a like a role-playing game way of saying it. Yep. It's like James, James Gunn is a video game fan, right? So. It's just really funny for her to say he didn't take any damage. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that. But it is. But uh, anyway, Economos also knows, but whenever they bring it up, he puts his fingers in his ears so he can't hear anything. Uh, and then Mern explains what's going on is that the butterflies are from a planet that was dying. So they came to Earth and everything was fine for a while until Goff, their leader, decided that the alien, that the butterflies should rule over humanity. And that is when Mern separated from them. He's the only good one. And all the others are evil is what he claims. Yeah. What do you think about this? Uh, it seems plausible. It does seem plausible. I keep going back to Judo Master. Yeah. Judo Master saying, telling Peacemaker he doesn't know the whole story. And I think that even though Judo Master is an antagonist to our heroes, he is a good guy. Yes. And so I do wonder if Mern is actually still full of shit in some way. 
there's two things in this episode that make me think Mern's not. And one of them is here where he's explaining taking over Mern and how Mern was a horrible person, but it still hurt him to kill him, to kill Mern and how Mern's memories are in his head. And he says, even he could have changed. That's such a James Gunn thing, right? That's such like, a James Gunn thing. That's a James Gunn uh, a theme right there. The idea that even this horrible, murderous bastard that Mern is um, could have become a better man, but this butterfly has taken that opportunity from him. Yeah, yeah. So that's an interesting bit there. And I don't know if James Gunn is going to come out of this season being like, no, people can't change. I've, I've changed my stance on that. You know, And having Mern be evil, I think, would be would say that. He doesn't have to be evil. He could just be wrong. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Like, it could be one more reveal on, like, what Goff's plan is. <laughs> it's all just like, he just read the email wrong? Exactly. <laughs> That's what it all comes down to. <laughs> that would be great. Um, anyway, uh, they, they explain all of this to Leota, that the, the butterflies are looking to take over, and Mern is trying to stop it. Waller does not know that Mern is an alien, is a butterfly, which is interesting. Um, and they also know that... Which really the, puts Leota in a spot here, because she is obviously secretly Waller's daughter. Yes. None of them know it, and no. now she has information that her mother doesn't have, and so I think that this is part of her loyalties being tested, because she's not 100% sure who she's loyal to in this situation. Yes. Well, th that's her running theme throughout this episode, and I'm guessing the next episode is... She's starting. She's really questioning where she stands on all of this, and it's it's tearing her apart, Lisa. Um, and they also know that uh, that the butterflies have a cow that they're getting their their amber liquid. Which it's weird they keep calling it an amber liquid when they could just be like, "Hey, Mern, what's it called?" But or they could just call it honey. They could call it honey. Yeah, they could call it. <laughs> yeah, but they keep saying like this amber liquid. But uh, they know that they've got some out there somewhere, and they got to figure out where. Well, Mern uh, couldn't tell them what it's called because they their language is not compatible with human tongues, as we learned. So we learned what the name of um, Goff's real name is. Goff's yes. a, a, a queen, actually. Goff, yeah, we learned that butterflies have vaginas, and it's well that one that one does. Yeah, because it's the queen, and the queen's name is like Iktak Ikik or something like that. Iksix, yeah. something something yeah. like that. Yeah, and they they have a cow. They just Mern doesn't know where it is. And they got to figure out. Although we don't know that yet. He just says a cow. And then Leota's like, what? And he's like, "We let me tell you about the cow. And then it cuts the opening credits. And then from there, we get to watch uh, Peacemaker at school. And he's doing a kind of a show and tell. Bring your what? uncle to work day. What a, what a scene change. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like put credits, and then all of a sudden, there's Peacemaker standing in front of a classroom, in front of a blackboard, uh, taking questions from. Well, for, uh, first, he explains how he killed Kite Man with just his two fists, his Desert <laughs> Eagle, and two rocket launchers. <laughs> so many weapons to kill Kite Man. So many weapons. This is all. This is all Tom King's doing, by the way. The Kite Man stuff. The Kite Man has become this character that keeps showing up in DC stuff now. It's all Tom King. So good job, Tom King. Was Kite Man not a, a Peacemaker character? No, he's a Batman villain. He's the only Batman villain. Yeah, and he's lame and he hadn't shown up in forever. And then Tom King kept putting him in his Batman run. And he even did a whole storyline where it all comes down to what Kite Man decides. And it's a great story. 
but he had Kite Man in the story be like, like every time Kite Man would show up in, in the different issues, he'd be like, Kite Man, hell yeah. And then that became like a meme. And then he, Kite Man started showing up on the Harley Quinn show, and now she's in this. And even this weekend, uh, uh, somebody had asked uh, James Gunn, like, did you know, did he just choose, choose Kite Man in general, or does he re- does he know him from Tom King's run? And James Gunn was like, I love Tom King. We're we're friends. We're good friends. And so you know, of course, I read his stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's where he got Kite Man. That's why Kite Man's in here. It's great. So that's nice. And then uh, Peacemaker starts taking. Questions from the kids, including kid with sad eyes, who asks <laughs> if Kite Man would have just fallen out of the sky since he was carrying a thirty-pound uh, diamond. And Peacemaker <laughs> says no. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a Chubster whose question I can't remember, but uh, I don't remember what Chubster's question was. I didn't write it. Well, there's a whole bunch of questions anyway. And yeah, uh, one, Chubster one, g- gender swapped Alfred E. Newman. Jennifer Swap, Alfred Newman, asked him about the Flash. Have you ever met the Flash? She's, she's yeah, I met the Flash. Like everybody else has ever met him, I thought it was an unbearable D-bag. Yep, I love it. Yep, that made me so happy. Uh, and then there's Urkel, Canadian Tuxedo, Rubik's Cube Champion 2025, which is my favorite of all of the names. Until, although that kid uh, makes him feel bad, which is rough. And then, actually, the, the best name of any of the kids comes out, Paschetti Arms. Because but I love how, that he says Paschetti. Well, how does the, how does how does that kid make him feel bad? The kid makes him feel bad by by saying like I'm the only one that doesn't buy into your bullshit. And then Paschetti Arms asks him, or uh, the main kid asks him what his superior origin is, and we see a flashback. See flashback to young Peacemaker standing over his brother as his brother convulses, and they've obviously been in a fist fight, and the father. Augie's there and he turns to Peacemaker and says, like, you son of a bitch or something like that, right? He says, you killed him. You killed him. Yeah, and then it shows young Peacemaker praying at the edge of his bed. Yep. Some dark shit. Peacemaker accidentally killed his own brother. Yeah, very sad. Very, very sad. Makes me... Makes me feel bad for him. He he has an issues. He's got issues. There's darkness in there. There's darkness indeed in there. There is. Uh, from here, we see uh, Augie getting out of prison, and Song uh, owns him because he's he's like he does some racist stuff. He's like, oh, I guess in your language it would be whatever racist. And then she's like, no, in my language that means I have a stupid haircut. I know, in, my, in my language, that means my haircut looks like a donkey took a shit on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Fitzgibbons follows it with, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. And she's like, why'd you do that? I, I already hit it. He's like, I know, I thought I could be part of it, and I can't. And that's good, because that plays on how Fitzgibbons, in the first episode, was like, no, you're doing it wrong. You got to be good at getting them. And then we see Fitzgibbons isn't good at it either. So I enjoyed that. Uh, Locke is pissed. He comes running up. He's pissed that Augie's out, and Song and Fitzgibbons tell him, like, we got a a warrant from a judge, and we're going to go after Peacemaker. And yeah, they got the SWAT team ready to go. And Augie gets into a car with one of his little Nazis yeah. and says, I'm going to do the thing I've always should have done. I'm going to kill my useless son. Yeah. And the Nazi's pretty psyched about it. Yeah, But first he's going to go home and have oral sex. Yes. That's his first move. Uh, uh, meanwhile, Harcourt and Leota are discussing Mun or Mern when uh, Economo shows up. And Harcourt explains that she trusts Mern because Mern has, has put himself out in front of them multiple times and like been part of the team. So she doesn't think he's lying. 
Harcourt doesn't want to discuss it. They look at the uh, footage from the from the warehouse, and Economos believes that he can figure out where the cow is. Right. He's going to take all of this. He sees that there's a, uh, a truck with the amber liquid that comes in, and he's going to be able to go back through all of the uh, stoplight cameras and the roadside cameras and track that truck along the highway back to its origin point. That, yep. that is that is. He doesn't say that here, but that is, that is the plan. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, Peacemaker sitting in his house, all sad, when Vigilante comes by and does a knock, and it, it's a stupid knock, apparently, because Peacemaker knows it's him, as he explains. <laughs> You're the only one that does a dumbass knock. And uh, Peacemaker starts to get introspective, to which Vigilante warns him against, saying that uh, the mind is a bag of scorpions that you need to run away from, not towards. It's so good. So perfect. <laughs> like, the, like Gunn right? I'm actually very concerned that Vigilante is going to die because Gunn writes him so well. I agree. I agree. And yeah. there was a couple of times in this very episode where I was like, ah, fuck, he's going to kill him, isn't he? Um, but, like, he just writes him so well and is so funny and, yeah. like, has just such a grip on the character. But also while he, when he's doing this stuff, like, when he says stuff like that, you go, oh, you know what? This is a character you can't use too many times. Yes. Like, three seasons in, he's gonna not going to be funny anymore. Like, no, not even, like, in a, not, not, like, in a bad way, but you can be like, okay, we get it. Yeah. Like, and, like, so, like, that's, like, my concern is that he's, but I also don't want him to die. I do want him to keep showing up for three more seasons. <laughs> so I'm torn. <laughs> Yeah, it's very hard. It's very hard to say because he is a great, great. He's got some great bits in this episode. And once again, Freddie Stroma just knocking it out the fucking park episode after episode, just delivering a lot of great comedy. Here's my question for you. Do you think it's Freddie Stroma in the opening credits? Probably not. Right? Because he never takes the mask off. I don't know. Yeah, probably not. Because I think they did that probably pretty early. Yeah, you think so? I would guess, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I was wondering That's a question for you to ask James Gunn on Twitter. Yeah, maybe this one he'll answer. He, he doesn't like my opening credits questions. <laughs> he answers all my other questions. That's the only one he's never answered. He's keeping his opening credits secrets. Maybe, maybe I caught on to something he didn't want to discuss. Who knows? But uh, that, 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 that image of Frodo, all right then, keep your secrets. Keep your secrets. Uh, where are we? Okay, so uh, they're in there. And... Uh, uh, Peacemaker is feeding the animals, and which includes Goff. And then they see that Goff has put a little peace sign out of his food on his jar. And they're very confused. And from there, we go to uh, Locke calling Mern to warn him that Peacemaker is going to get raided. But, uh, and Mern tries to call Peacemaker, but Peacemaker's not picking up. His phone and, is just sitting on the in the kitchen uh, while yeah. uh, he and Vigilante are sitting on the couch trying to make communication with Goff. Yes, they're playing yes-no with Goff. And A Vigilante game that- Cannot Vigilante cannot get it. He does not understand the rules, which the, the rules are broken down to him. The two rules, which are one, uh, yes or no questions only. Two, don't be a fucking moron. To which he says, how am I supposed to follow that second rule? <laughs> which is great. <laughs> Such a great bit. I like when he's like, is your favorite color teal? Yes. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, not only have we discovered aliens... But imagine if we found them and one of them happens to have a favorite color that's teal. Wouldn't that be interesting? And Peacemaker's like, yes, obviously that would be interesting. (laughs) I really like this relationship because they're two idiots. But Gunn is very smart and that he – Peacemaker is less of an idiot or a different kind of an idiot 
from it's Vigilante. Abbott and Costello. It is Abbott and Costello. And so he gets to be frustrated with Vigilante, and which is very funny in the moment, uh, while also being himself a total fucking idiot. It's really yes. delightful. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, they're trying to ask questions. Uh, they're trying, while Mern is trying to get in contact with them, and then they finally figure out, oh, we should call Vigilante. Great uh, joke here, by the way. Well, we're not there yet, because first we get to watch them ask uh, uh Questions to the, to the to Goff about movies. Is this an ET situation? Is this an alien situation? Is this an alien situation. Which uh, uh, vigilante is very upset that it's not an alien situation because he wants to experience mother or giving birth, which suggests <laughs> he, he may not understand those movies very well. Says my only way to ever experience motherhood. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's really good. May, not, may not may not understand what happens in those movies. <laughs> uh, they also ask if it's a. Uh, uh, close, close encounter, encounter situation, situation where you, you come, come here to play us a dumb song. A dumb song. Which <laughs> is <Yeah. laughs> great. So good. Yeah. And at the same time, the cops are converging on the on the trailer. And that's when finally Vigilante's car uh, phone goes off. It's a uh, Barbie Girl song. And perfect. Perfect. Again, this is like perfect character writing. Yes. Like that his ringtone is Barbie Girl. It's just like so ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is it is really perfect. Yeah. And then uh, Vigilante answers, and it's Mern, and he's like, Vigilante, put on Peacemaker. And he goes, Vigilante? I'm, I'm, my name's not Vigilante. I don't know. I've never even heard of a name like Vigilante. What is that, Italian? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. good. Peacemaker takes the phone from him, finds out the cops are coming. They quickly escape through this, the, uh, su- not sunroof, I was going to say sunroof. What do you call it in that house? Skylight. Through the there skylight. You, know. you yes. got it. Well, I have it written down. I should have just look at that. As the police come in, uh, the police quickly find the diary as they're tearing the house apart. While Vigilante and uh, Peacemaker hide in a tr- in a tree, and Vigilante wants to kill Song as she's walking by. Peacemaker stops her because she's a, she's a cop. Although he mouths it, and Vigilante thinks that Peacemaker says she's a cock. She's a cock. Yeah. Yes. So like. It's very interesting because they come out the roof and they – what I thought was really interesting, and I this is like a minor complaint. I think Peacemaker would have uh, an entire escape system. I think he does. I think that's his escape system. You think so? I think that he yeah. would have like – I mean he's ready to do it instantly. Like he's he's prepared to do that. Yeah, I guess. I just – it's like – I don't know. There's something about it that I thought like in the trees there would be like more of like a – um platform like weapon stash like or something weapon yeah. stash yeah i mean like i feel like that would be like the deal do you know what i mean yeah yeah um but i just, it's a, such a minor such a minor complaint i mean it's interesting i guess maybe he doesn't because in his mind he does not have a, a cadre of villains which i believe that's what chubster asked him that is what he asked he's a yeah. of super villains which, of, uh, which makes villain. him angry because it's a yeah. question we've already been asked by yeah. the old man next door to his dad yeah. Um, so yeah, he does I guess not that, see a situation where people are going to come after him because he does not hide his identity. He just walks around as peace, peacemaker all day. Yeah, he just sitting out in front of his house as peacemaker. Yeah, you're right. That's actually a good point. That is a good point. Okay, I'm going to take the, I'm going to take my minor complaint back. I'm going to walk it back. Okay, there you go. I had a different minor complaint, which was I don't what? think they would be able to get up on their roof and not be seen. I and mean, he's a big dude. <laughs> like they well, see the eagle. They see the eagle sitting on the roof. They do a little bit where John Cena is like making an effort to stay low. He's so making an effort, but I just feel like they'd be like, "We can see you up there." Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I, 
I don't disagree. I, th- I think that they needed to make a little bit more of an effort, yeah. but like, I get it. Like, I th- yeah, I, it's I, just I a quick, it's, it's just so a I think, quick I think it's okay. But yeah. yeah, especially because some of the cops are pretty far back. There's a, a there's a pretty big perimeter. Yeah. And that from that distance, you would definitely see them on the roof. So yeah. Yeah. But they don't, they don't get seen. Um, but then Pe- uh, Vigilante uh, explains that he took an Uber to Peacemaker's house because he thought so they were a bit drunk. It's so good. And then uh, falls out no of the tree. There's no getaway vehicle. Uh, yeah. He falls out of the tree and he smashes the Goff. They've yep. taken Goff with them. Yeah. Peacemaker has taped Goff to his side in the jar. Vigilante has taped Goff. Or to Vigilante. His side. Sorry. Yes. Yes. And uh, I thought for a moment that Goff was dead. I thought so too. I thought, like, oh, that's it. That's the end of that character. Yeah. But nope. Goff is fine. In fact, Goff flies right into Detective Song's mouth. Really interesting and choice here. Really interesting. Real painful looking. Does not look does not look fun. Looks awful. But I was very surprised that 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 they that gun took song off the table like this. Yeah, yeah. I was very surprised by it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, I think in the back of my mind, I saw a team up between her and Peacemaker happening. Yes, I, I thought that in the end she'd be like, "Okay, you're all right." Something like that. But like yeah. like like I'm. I don't like your methods, but I'm not going to arrest you. Kind of deal. Yeah, like when he's going to bring her in on the whole thing and she's going to realize that it's too big for her to – I mean, that's what I thought. But I, that's well, She would play like a moment where Augie and Peacemaker are fighting and he's about to kill Peacemaker and she stops him in some way. Right. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, Which I guess I mean, could still happen, but she'll just be an alien. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know – it's just very interesting to me because I just did not see it coming. And I, I actually really like this character. Yeah. So it's like sad to see her get killed off in this weird way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is we know she's dead. Like there's no hiding that, that being taken over by a butterfly means you were dead. Yeah. So, which is important later on as well. Like James Gunn is clearly doing that so that they can just massacre people and not feel bad about it. <laughs> so. Well, that's the thing, right? He's trying to set up his Matrix sequence where our heroes just fucking wipe out the police. Yeah. And it's not going to be a big deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, she gets taken and uh, Peacemaker Vigilante gets seen and they run off into the woods. They get chased. Uh, Vigilante answers one of my questions from, from Hawkeye in this moment when he throws a knife right into a cop's chest. And Peacemaker says, I told you don't kill the cops. And Vigilante says... At the worst, he's paralyzed for life. He's not going to be dead. <laughs> so, funny. So, so I appreciate that James Gunn listens to this and made sure that that was covered. So funny. That was such a great little bit. Yeah. Uh, they get surrounded, or Eagly now shows up and just starts mauling cops down, like ripping out eyes. This is, is maybe my favorite part. I like this episode a lot, but the sequence with Eagly coming down and hitting the cops, like there's like a long shot of like Eagly, like they're running to the woods and Eagly just fucking coming and wrecking cops and then finally pulling that guy's eyeball out. Yeah. Was fucking amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and it's like Peacemaker is pointing at them and then Eagly goes and gets them, which reminded me of, I think it's one of the Shinobi games where you have an Eagle you can call on. Oh, that's right? so perfect. Yeah, it was crazy. But either and then as Vigilante points out, Eagly is hardcore. Eagly so, is hardcore. Yeah. And uh but they get surrounded. They're about to be killed or shot or arrested when all of a sudden one of the cops' brains blows up and it's Locke. Locke is there and he shot the cop and then he shoots two more cops and he tells them there's a car down the way, get in the car and get out of there. 
And as they're leaving, Peacemaker looks back and sees uh, Locke shoot an unconscious police officer in the face. Yep. So, and Peacemaker is very uneased by these actions. Uh, at the same time, Song is waking up and she's acting real weird and alien-like and Fitzgibbons can't figure out what's wrong with her. So she gets in her car and drives off. She has to go contact some friends, she says. She has to go contact some friends. And he says, you don't have any friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But she drives away and he's like, what's going on? Uh, in the car, Vigilante grabs Peacemaker's phone from his hand and throws it out of the car, to which Peacemaker explains it was untraceable. And he says, and Vigilante says, well, that's a pretty big fuck up on my part. And uh, mainly Peacemaker, though, is upset because there were pictures of Eagly on there that he can't recreate. Yes, some and, uh, irreplaceable pictures of Eagly. What's yes. really great, though, is this this back and forth they have where Vigilante's like, you seem really angry. <laughs> and seem, uh, yeah. It's like well, very, very good. Well, now he brings up the cloud. He's like, well, you have the pictures in the cloud. And Peacemaker's like, I don't know what the cloud is. People keep talking about the cloud. I was in prison for four years and everyone keeps talking about the cloud. I don't understand it. And that's when uh, uh, Vigilante's like, well, you seem really upset by these things. You keep making angry faces that look like a Dracula, <laughs> which I also appreciate. He says, a Dracula. I'm going to ask you a question. When do you think Peacemaker takes place? Current day, I would think. So 2022. Yeah. So he's been in prison since? Four years, he said. So since 2018. Yep. I'm going to just say something here. And if James going to listen to this podcast, not just around, but there is a joke in the motion picture Creed about Rocky not understanding what the cloud is. Okay. And that was in 2015. Yeah. And the premise of that joke is that everybody in the audience would fundamentally know what the cloud was, that it yeah. was funny that Rocky would not know what it was. Yeah. So I do feel like this is on the worst, this is the world's worst, dumbest nitpick because it's a good joke. Uh, but uh, I was like, huh, I feel like Peacemaker might know what the cloud was. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless might. of him being in prison for four years. Yeah. Unless this is said a few years ago. I don't think because it's after Suicide Squad and I can't – I mean there's nothing I can think of in Suicide Squad that says it's 2020 or anything like that. But I don't know. I don't think there's anything in the DCEU at all that gives it a time, right? Like except like except for like Wonder Woman. Yeah, Wonder Woman. Being said in the past and, 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 and then 84. And 84. Yeah. So they That's could be it. taking place essentially anytime, and they have like a lot of bullshit technology, like fake phones or whatever. Yeah. So it's like not even hard, easy to tell from that. What if the no. DCEU takes place ten years in the past? Could very well could. Very well could. You never know. Maybe maybe cloud technology took longer to to show up in the DCEU. What if that's the case? What if somehow cloud technology was being suppressed by the authorities? Yeah. Because I had that discussion with somebody on Twitter where they were like, they got this in the movie, but and the movie takes place in this year, but it didn't exist yet at that time. And I was like, well, it's a different world. Maybe it did. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, maybe technology is a little quicker in that world. That's all. That's it. It's not a big awesome. deal. Yeah. But anyway, they're driving. Uh, Peacemaker then demands Vigilante's phone so he can call Mern. And he takes the phone and he sees that uh, Vigilante had been looking up uh, uh, Taylor Swift's sexy butt, to which Vigilante says, no, no, no. I just wanted to see her sexy butt. That's so, it's a, another great joke. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I enjoyed that greatly. Uh, at the same point, Locke, uh, Fitzgibbons runs up to where Locke is with the, the, dead cops and Locke is trying to pretend that he's sad, but he clearly isn't sad. And he explains to Fitzgibbons that the killer was not peacemaker. 
It was a man in a fedora wearing a striped shirt and a red tie who kept saying uh, "rabble rabble." It's a four. It was like a, it was a four foot nine uh, Caucasian male. Yes, <laughs> striped shirt, red tie, fedora hat, black fedora hat, wearing a mask, and he kept saying "rabble rabble." And then uh, Fitzgibbon finally realizes he is talking, of course, about the Hamburglar. Yes, and uh, also uh, Locke gets his hand on the diary. I, forgot, I, I didn't bring that before, but he's got the diary now. Yeah, so that's the thing. So the diary, the cops t- uh, tear through um, Peacemaker's trailer, and they go, they go really hard. Like this is what happens when they serve a warrant on your house, man. They cut your fucking pillows open and shit. It's very yeah. bad news. Very or bad. They news. just shoot you while you're sleeping. Whatever. Well, they shoot you while you're sleeping, which is actually the but sadly the more if you're if you're not a white guy, that is sadly the more likely outcome of these situations. But if you are a white guy. They will really wreck your shit. And guess, guess what? You have no recourse. Like they just ruin your shit. That's it. The end. There's yeah. nothing you can do about it. Nobody yeah. pays you money. Yeah. Um, you just got to buy new pillows. You're, all your shit's broken. Yeah. Um, it's fucking nuts. It turns out we actually already live in a police state. Yes. Um, but they do find the diary while they're going through it. And we see them open it. And the diary has some pretty classic movie crazy guy writing in it. Yes, it's very seven. Yep. And uh, But now Mern has it, or Locke has it, and Locke calls Mern. He takes it from the Mern. cop, and the cop is like, we have found this, and he's like, he does the classic, I'm going to put this in my jacket uh, yes. move, and the cop is like, okay. And, and then something happens that I really want to know if this was scripted or not, but the cop walks away and then trips over something, but he doesn't fall. He just stumbles over and goes, oh, God damn it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's really I don't good. know if that just happened on the day. Or if James Gunn literally wrote that in there for some reason. It's really good. It's a good little bit. Yeah. And he's out of focus. So it's like, like, was that on purpose? I have no idea. It's so like, funny. Because I, I want to say it just happened on the day. But also, James Gunn is very clear that he's very meticulous about everything. Right. Than when he's filming. So I don't feel like he he's, he's not an on-the-day kind of guy, apparently. So but that's know. true. But also, I think any great artist in cinema understands that there is magic that occurs on yeah. the day and that sometimes if a guy accidentally trips and you happen to capture it and you decide that's actually your best take, yeah. uh, you might say, you know what? That fucking works. I'm going to keep it in. This, it, it works it, beautifully. It's it hilarious. works really well. Yeah. And it's not going anywhere because that guy gets killed later on in the episode, just like every other cop in the show. So yeah. it isn't yeah. even like it's building to a thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so locks got the, the diary. He calls Mern to let him know he's going to keep it out of evidence. Mern's very happy to hear that. Peacemaker comes in with uh, Vigilante and an Eagly and tells them all that he, in fact, had Goff and now Goff got away. And they're very upset he, that they didn't tell him. He didn't tell them that they, he had Goff. And he said, I didn't need to tell you because I knew I was going to keep him safe and he wouldn't get away. And then Vigilante goes, well, until he got away. So, uh, yeah, so he's keeping – he was revealing a secret he was keeping from them and all of yeah. them are keeping a secret from him. Yes. yes. By the way – in this but, sequence, in yeah, this no. sequence, while they're talking, the framing of it's interesting because there's a poster on the wall. There, they are. We've never talked about it on the show, but their uh, their headquarters is in a home video store. It's called Henenlotter Home Video. Henenlotter is in uh, Frank, Frank Henenlotter, yeah. um, one of the great directors, one of the great horror directors, uh, important to James Gunn. Um, but they're standing in front of this uh, poster for a movie called Privateer. Okay. Do you have any idea what that is? No, I do not. I just couldn't figure oh, out if it was a reference. You were to tell me. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know. I was trying to figure out if it was a reference. If it's a. If if it's just a joke that production put up on the thing, like that. If you were able to read the small print, it would be funny. Yeah. Or is it? Is it actually a reference to a thing? Is I, it like a Watchmen reference? I mean, I didn't. 
I didn't notice it. And top of my head, I can't think of a privateer thing in DC, but yeah, I can't. I mean, like I was trying to figure it out because it looks like it's basically a parody of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, because uh, there is, I believe, a Watchmen reference in this episode. Is and there? It's probably been there for a while, and I just noticed it this episode. What's the reference? The door to their base has, has a smi- smiley has a frowny face. face. Yeah, it's a frowny face, not a smiley face. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's a little Watchmen thing. Well, I'm going to tell you what. I did it live on the show, as we always do, as we love to do on this show, that, in fact, Privateer is a DC Comics character. There you go. And uh, it is not just any DC Comics character. No? It's Mark Shaw. Oh, really? The man. What? Really? Yep. When did he go by Privateer? Uh, I don't know, but here's a picture of him dressed like a big fancy pirate man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, uh, Mark Shaw, he, um, uh, definitely dead. just died in the comics. Did he? Yes. He just got killed. He became a Leviathan and destroyed all the organizations, all the government organizations like the DEO and all that kind of stuff and, uh, took over a country and then, his own people killed him. This happened. This looks like it's all pre-crisis stuff. This is like 1977. Um, yeah. Mark Shaw appears as privateer for the first time in Justice League of America, number 143 in 1977. Wow. The comic titled A Tale of Two Satellites. There you go. Oh, I had no idea about that. Yeah. So Mark Shaw, obviously, though, is a character who is eventually a Suicide Squad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we had talked about the idea, not that he, he is the Manhunter, but yes. we talked about Manhunters being one of the things that we thought that the butterflies might be. Yeah. That when the show first began, we yeah. didn't know what their deal was. No, but he, as the Manhunter, he uses Manhunter technology. Yep. Yeah. And he helped a Flash fight in Cuba during the invasion. So I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, I'm glad that I noticed that because there's a lot of shots where there's where peacemakers just standing in front of this fucking privateer poster. I'm yeah. shocked. I'm shocked you didn't pick up on it. I did not. I did not. See, I, I have spent it. a lot of years learning to look at every single thing in the background in these in these shows and movies. I usually do that like way later in my viewings. Like I'm not a big let's look for Easter eggs guy. Especially like I watch it one time just to watch it, and then the second time I'm taking notes the whole time. Right. So, but. Uh, yeah, well, there you go. I'm really thinking about that now. Anyway, anyway. Um, like, is it meaningful or is it just a joke? I don't know. Because it definitely has, uh, it definitely has elements to it that would be potentially meaningful. I mean, potentially, but I feel like choosing privateer and not manhunter says it's a joke. Like, it's just a deep cut of some sort. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That is, that's wild. I didn't see anything online about it. So that's also because he, I mean, Gunn just did a whole every Friday or Saturday, whatever day it is. He does a a watch along where he's tweeting the whole time. Well, maybe he's keeping that on the DL for a reason. Maybe. Although if he is, he shouldn't have it in so many shots. He's gotten a lot of shots. Yeah, there you go. But uh, anyway, uh, Peacemaker very upset, explains to everyone, explains to Mern specifically after telling him about Goff, what Locke did, that Locke killed these cops. And Mern looks visibly shaken by this. Right. Which is the second moment where he's like, I don't think he's a bad guy. Because he, he, he knows he 
that's his fault that these cops are dead. He put Locke in there. So that's him. And that's uh, very sad. And Peacemaker is also quite aware that everyone's keeping a secret from him because they start talking about the cow. And he doesn't. he's like, how do you guys know all this stuff? Where are you getting all this information from? And nobody will say anything. And Leota won't even look at him because of the diary stuff. And he knows something's off. He's very upset. And then Vigilante tries to get them to guess whether which one is uh, Eagly and which one is him. And that is terrifying that this man is on their team. <laughs> it's such a dumb fucking bit. <laughs> this might be, this is a, um, this is a Simpsons joke. Yes. We're on the Simpsons. They made Homer dumber and dumber and dumber over the years. This is like a peak dumb Homer joke. Yeah. 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 Without a doubt. But that's where, that's where vigilante starting from. So <laughs> let's keep that in mind. Um, meanwhile, at the police department, uh, alien song is turning her computer into an alien computer and sending out, I guess, messages to the other butterflies. And Fitzgibbons is confused. He's like, look, you're typing. It's not even words. It's just symbols. You're acting really weird. And he's not like, how'd you get that to happen on your computer? <laughs> but beyond that. And then she gets up and she's like, okay, I got to go. And she turns to him and, and she says to Fitzgibbons, she's like, she cared about you. She, she had great feelings for you. And he's like, who? You? And she goes, I suppose. And then she smiles. And it's a weird smile. And she says, people don't realize how hard it is to, to learn how to smile in different bodies. Yeah, every, every, every head is different. You have yeah. to learn how to smile with every new head. Yep. And, uh, and then she walks away, and Fitzgibbons is very, very confused. Uh, That's okay. He won't have much time to be confused. No, no, he won't. Uh, Economos, meanwhile, back at the base, Economos explains, uh, shows everybody he figured out where the cow is. And this is where Peacemaker's like, what are you guys keeping info from me? And that's wrong, and I'm upset. And then uh, Alien Song is out in the middle of the night, and we get a little montage of her calling all the all the butterflies to her in their little spaceships. And she gives out a scream, and we see that the butterflies have little mouths, and they look kind of cute. And I was like, oh, they're kind of cute. And at the same time, Augie is getting suited up in his uh, in his white dragon outfit. Yeah, so we cut. He's not just getting suited up; he has all his Nazis with him. Yeah. Um, he has his his uh, his baghead Nazis, like a real like Django Unchained callback. These baghead guys. Um, and uh, I looked up the code that he puts in to open up the door to see if it was something. I couldn't find anything. Hmm. Because it was like they show it. They show the, right. him putting it in. I was like, that's got to be something, right? But I maybe it's James it. Gunn's uh, ATM pin. Well, I mean, it was six. It was six numbers, I believe. Mm. So. Um. So, but it's it. He has like all of his Nazis over, and like he has like his whole Nazi cult, and they are strapping. No, he's not just putting it on. They're strapping him into it. Yes, and then it is they a all good, it is a pretty good sequence because, like. He really gets across like the premise of who this guy is because it'd be like one thing if he's like suiting up, but the, what he's doing is just standing there as everybody just does it to him. Yes, yeah. And then once it's all on him, they all get on their knees and give a little Nazi salute to him. Yep, which is unsettling. And then at the same time, the butterflies, uh, uh, song, and the butterflies enter into the police station. And I do want to take a step back. Okay, I want to do. I want to do what you do when yeah. when Song meets all the butterflies in the field. And they all come land in their little spaceships. Yeah, very beautiful sequence. Yes, very I mean, nice. really, just a gorgeously shot sequence. Like I think Gunn really um, 
went above and beyond with this. Like he understands the haunting beauty of these little blue wing weird creatures and the, the ship's landing is like a very beautiful sequence. And, um, when it was in the, the, the preview trailer from last week, yeah. it looked like, it looked like a close encounters Z Spielbergian scene. It looked like song learning the truth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, and then obviously the, the reality is different, but it's really unbelievably well executed. I mean, just like, this is, I, I think we talked about this on the program or one of the programs, just how depressed I am by how often television looks like shit. Like just yeah. nobody is shooting television nicely, despite the fact they have these big budgets and they're basically making movies for television these days. Yeah. They just shoot it like garbage, but Gunn is not shooting it like garbage. I mean, I think no. there's a lot of shit. Although who, who actually directed this episode? Gunn. Gun directed it? Yeah. So there you go. Right. I mean, like, so like he really is going out of his way. There's like a lot of really beautiful shots. He's like a, a lot, a lot of very smart framing and, and this sequence in particular, and, and also the sequence of the butterfly attack with all the use of slow-mo yeah. and like a little bit of speed ramping, I thought was really, really well done. I agree. I agree. It's very good looking between this and, uh, uh, the get together. I think, uh, the after party or the after party. Why the get together? You the got some party. intense grandparent energy about your brain. I do. I do. You really do. I, I am like actually very impressed because the thing is that you watch the after party and you like the after party yep. and you are somehow calling it the get together, which is a hundred percent what somebody's parents would call a show. They don't really watch, but know that their kid watches. Yeah. Oh, aren't you watching the get together tonight? No yeah. mom. It's the after party. <laughs> this is how I live. <laughs> and yet, and yet in fairness to me, I was able to pull, I can't remember names for shit, but Frank Henlotter was right on my brain <laughs> for some reason. Like his name is always there. And I'm not even like a huge fan of the guy. I've seen you his movies. Usually, I think he's good, but I'm not like, Oh, hey, I'm now like screaming his praises. Well, you're always, you're usually, um, just pulling out really obscure DC characters and shit. And then you're saying the get together. Yeah. Yeah. This week on the get together, you should, you should see the conversations between me and my friend Todd who can break down if you ask him a question like, when did Superman have uh, wear polka dots? And he'd be like, oh, that was Action Comics number 24. Came out this day, this exact day. This is who wrote it. This is who drew This is who inked it. This is who colored it. And then you could be like, what's your kid's name? He's like, I don't fucking know. So- <laughs> <laughs> tough. Tough. Yep. On this podcast, you're calling him out for not knowing his children's own names. Yep. Yep. That's how it goes. He knows. I'm sure he knows his kids' names. But... uh Anyway, so the butterflies take over the police station. It's a really good sequence. They come and they fucking wreck everybody. It is like them like jamming themselves on people's mouths. Like there's like I, what I like is that as they're attacking everybody, they have these convulsions and shit like that. Yeah. And it is like very, it's very intense. painful looking. It, it, it's I, very unsettling. And so they come and they get Fitzgibbons like. It is, um, he's being, he's running down this hallway and there's a gazillion of them behind him and then they come around and get him in the slow-mo and you're like rooting for him. And then Locke locks himself in his office and, uh, pulls his gun. I don't know what he's thinking he's going to do with his gun against a whole bunch of little fucking (laughs) bugs, but, um, they just blow through the fucking glass and take him out and gun really lingers on him. Cause I think that this is probably, we're probably going to kill him later, but this is killing him as a entity. Yeah. So I think Gunn lingers on it a little bit to give us that satisfaction of seeing this guy die. Yes, I agree. Even though I'm sure that body will die again later, this is his soul dying or his consciousness or his self dying. Yes. Um, so Gunn really lingers on it to make sure that we really get that. That's a yeah. really good choice. Yeah. And it's interesting because after Song got taken, I was like, oh, I guess Fitzgibbons will be the one that like comes and saves the day. And it's like, nope, 
yep. that's not happening either. I was like, especially yep. as they were coming in, I was like, well, obviously he's gonna get out through the back or something. And then nope. I was really surprised. And then we get no. to watch all of them try and smile as they well, walk. walk well, they don't motion. just well the thing we don't just take all the cops, they also then blow the through criminals. they go and they take everything out. Uh, every, every criminal out of the jail. So they've mm-hmm. now taken over all the cops and all the criminals. And so now song golf song has created this army of cops and criminals that are going to go off and try to kill our good friend peacemaker. Yep. Yep. And, uh, meanwhile, uh, back at the base, Harcourt is putting a bird of peace on the guns for peacemaker. Peacemaker tells her she did it yeah, wrong. She's doing the etching. She's doing the etching. She's all she's by herself alone in the office, all by yeah. all alone in the dark, and she's doing the etching. And then she gives it to him and he goes, "It's backwards. It's backwards." But thanks for, but thanks for trying. Well, eventually, and, when she has this reaction, he realizes yeah. he needs to say thank you for trying. Yeah, and then she starts to walk away upset, and he says, "It's not the, it's not the, this, the bird of peace that that's making me upset. I don't want to kill people anymore." He doesn't. He doesn't say that. Yes, he does. So I don't. Wanna be, I don't be a cold blooded killer anymore. No, he says, I don't want to kill people anymore. Is that what he says? Kill people? Yes. I don't want to kill people anymore. Because she turns around and says, says, well, this is going to be a problem because we're facing off against a bunch of people with butterflies in their brains tomorrow. And you got to be ready to do it. He's like, oh, I don't care about killing aliens. Oh, okay. So it's very clear he does not want to kill humans anymore. Right. He has now moved on from killing human beings, but he will now kill human beings with butterflies inside their craniums. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, we're making it very clear that he's no longer a bad guy. Well, that's his that's his arc, right? That's been his yeah. arc this whole season. It's like sort of you know, after killing Rick Flag, it's it's all the arc is him coming to terms with his feelings about killing Rick Flag. That is yes. the the inciting incident. It doesn't even happen in the show. But that's the inciting incident. He kills Rick Flag. He feels really fucking terrible about it. And that line, "Peacemaker, what a joke." Yes, um, he repeats to himself while he's getting loaded because he's so sad. That obviously really, 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 really haunts him. Yeah. Well, I I think it's clear from the show, at least in terms of the show. There are three deaths. There are three times he's killed that weigh on him. One, the first, obviously, is his brother. His brother, yeah. The second is we saw the the shot where his dad makes him kill the guy that's tied up, and that is in theory the first time he's killed somebody. That would be my guess there. Hard to know, but pro- maybe is, is his brother in the room? I can't remember. I don't think his brother's in the room. So that might be after that. He might have started training Chris to take over for the brother at that point after the brother maybe. was killed. Yeah, maybe. But either way, it's somebody who's tied up and he knives, knives the guy to death. And then, uh, uh, what's his face? Rick Flagg. Rick Flagg. And, the uh, get-together. Rick Flagg, star of the get-together. Yes, yeah. You know, and that is weighing on him as well because he, it's also, I mean, it's in the movie itself. It's in Suicide Squad itself. He had great respect for Rick Flagg. Yeah, he had a ton of respect for Rick Flagg. Yeah. He thought that they would be buddies, you know? Yeah. And, and, and props to James Gunn because I'm pretty sure this was not planned when they were making suicide squad that they were like, Oh, we're going to do a, a peacemaker movie afterwards. But there's the moment after he kills Rick flag and he has to kill Ratcatcher. He's clearly doesn't want to. Right. He's out of it. And he like, like it's my favorite moment in the movie is when he's got the gun at her and she's like, you can just take the, the thumb drive and that's it. You don't have to kill me. And, and he says, and he looks and he's got the gun pointed at her and he goes, I do have to kill you. Fuck. And yeah. he's angry because he knows he has to do it because that's what Amanda Waller told him to do. But he doesn't want to kill anyone. Well, this is the thing. So Gunn, I think, in that movie made the really smart choice. 
even though there was no Peacemaker show at the time, the really smart choice to not just do the standard reveal of, oh, Peacemaker's been bad the whole time and now he's going to kill all of our heroes. It's more interesting when Peacemaker is doing it out of a sense of duty or because he believes it's what he's supposed to be doing. That's so much more interesting and that makes a much more interesting finale because it also thematically echoes the finale of the movie itself, which is the heroes deciding or the the villains deciding that they have to do what they think is the right thing to do. They have to turn away from their mission and try to save Cordo Maltese from Starro despite being ordered not to. Yes. And so with, it's a, with the threat that their heads will explode if they ex- do not listen. Exactly. So it's 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 an echo of that. He is they are all these characters are following what they think is the best thing, the right thing to do, but yeah. the definitions of those right things are very different. For peacemaker it's following orders, for the rest of them it's disobeying yeah. orders, and then here the fallout from that is what Gunn has been exploring yeah. and I think is really really interesting. And, and and we see it too with Harley Quinn when she shoots the the dictator of of the island. And she, she's like, I promise myself, you know, from now on, if I saw any red flags, I would kill anyone and any man that had red flags that I was with. And you saying that you're willing to kill children or you're going to kill children, that seems like a pretty big red flag. And it's like, that's her moment where it's like, right. I'm not going to follow the path that I'm on. I'm going to go a different path. Right. Yeah. It's good stuff. Anyway, good movie. Um, where, okay. Yeah. So he says he doesn't want to kill people anymore. And, but he's okay killing aliens. And Harcourt says, look, when I first met you, I thought you were a complete asshole, but you're not, you're just 85% asshole, but there's good in you too. And it's, and he's, and she's like, good night, Chris. And he says, good night. Uh, and she turns and says, Emily, my Amelia Emily. or Amelia. My name, my, name, my name is the get together. My name is the get together with that guy. And the other guy as well. And the other guy. Yep. <laughs> get together. <laughs> There's a movie or something with the same basic plot called The Get Together, isn't there? I don't know. I think so. I think there is. I think there is. <laughs> uh, and then what Whatever. happens? Uh, then Peacemaker goes and sits down and plays Motley Crue's Home Sweet Home on the piano. Uh, and, uh, what a sequence. What a sequence to end this episode on. And that is John Cena playing the piano. Which, watching it, the first time I watched it, I was like, Either that's John Cena, or they did really good muscle makeup on like some pianist, or it's CG to make it look like it's John Cena. And I can't like I'm not sure. Gunshot was like, no, that's John Cena. And it happened because when they were making Suicide Squad and James Gunn's dog was gonna have to be put down, and so he was gonna go home to put down his dog, which is a very sad moment. And he was in the bar waiting for his ride to come. And John Cena came to keep him company. And then John Cena went over to the piano at the bar and started playing Where Is My Mind? And James Gunn was like, I got to have this guy play piano in, in something. Yeah, and, he was just, yeah, he just saw that John Cena could, could play the piano. And I think yeah. that he does a really nice job of shooting it really well so that you know it is John Cena without like, yes. doing too much shit that makes it feel like. Because there's like a lot of times when an actor plays a instrument or does dancing or whatever in a movie and they try to trick you into thinking it's them doing it and it's not yeah. really them doing it. Yeah. And then there are other times where um, it really is them and you actually don't even realize it because yeah. they don't shoot it well enough. But here he shoots it in a way that I think really gets across to you that it is John Cena. It's pretty exciting to watch and go like, Oh my God, this is the camera is tracking down from his face to his hands and there's no cuts. And I don't know if they would spend money on CG to do this. Yeah. And uh, what I really love about this scene is that he's playing beautifully. It's very sad. It is within the character. Like the song choice itself is so perfectly within the character. Yep. 
But also John Cena is selling it. There's like a way to go big with this. Yes. But he's not. He's keeping it very interior. He knows how to underplay it properly. Yeah. And yeah. it's really tragic and it's really moving and it is really meaningful. It's beautiful. It's a great, great moment. It's a great moment. It's like yeah. crazy what a great moment it is. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and then we see uh, Vigilante comes in as he finishes the song and says, I thought you said he didn't have a diary. And Peacemaker goes to see what's up and sees that on the TV, uh, Locke is there with all the cops. And he's like, we have Peacemaker's diary. It's crazy. Yeah, they're doing a press conference. They get yeah. this crazy diary. He believes aliens have invaded. Basically, the diary is saying what the truth is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that he killed the senator and he's responsible. It's interesting. I, I'm guessing this part's not in the diary since it was the diary was placed right after this moment. But the lock says that Peacemaker is responsible for the killing at the factory as well. So they're just putting that in there because the diary well, says in the diary is the stuff about the senator. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, yeah. since it's the it's butterflies one one, in there, yeah, yeah they're just going to put everything on it. Yeah, yeah, and it's not hard to buy at this point. But right. uh, so he sees that, and then Leota also sees it, and she knows that uh, she's really fucked up. And yep. we skipped a moment earlier where Leota is with her wife and talking about how she can't do this, and, and it's tearing her apart to do all this. And her wife says we should just go back to Gotham. Yep, which is very nice. But that is the end of the episode. Is everyone's on the lookout for Peacemaker? That's it. So what'd you think? I thought it was a really good episode. Um, you know, it's low on action, although there is action, but like in terms of like this show itself, yeah, uh, I would say uh, it's got less action than some other episodes, but I think it has a lot of really great story and some really great character stuff. It's very funny. And I think this nice job of moving the story forward into very surprising places. Again, I was very surprised to see song become a butterfly and all of those cops become butterflies. Yes. Um, it's quite clear that we are heading into a three-way confrontation between the butterflies, the Nazis, and our our little Argus team. Yeah, that seems like the obvious situation. As in the the previews for next week, do show um, White Dragon in action, flying. Yes, very exciting. When they showed that suit, I was like, they got they have to use this suit, and they sure fucking. Well, well, the, the, this it. episode filled in two things we both said from the first episode, where you said we have to see him in that suit, and I said we have to see that piano get played. You're right. You, you did say that. <laughs> yep. like, why is her piano? There's even less reason for piano to be there in a video store. But now that's a good reason because yes. the, the Peacemaker did, in fact, play the piano. Yeah, for, from a, now on, Chekhov's gun is out. Now it, it's Guns Piano. Guns that's Piano. That's what we do now. Uh, yeah, it was a really good episode. It's just like this. every episode of the show is really good. This is like one of the most solid shows I have seen in years. Yes. Um. Like there's no down episodes and there's not – even within episodes, there's like not like down parts. No. No, it just moves. It just moves and it, it – every scene you're learning about the characters, every scene something important is happening. It's really impressive. It's really well-structured. It's really amazing how the last episode was such a high with them going in, destroying the factory and like they become the 11th Street kids and they're finally a team to this episode instantly brings you down. Well, that's the thing. They I told you that secrets. That's what I said last week. I said this is it. Like it's it's all downhill from here. Like with yes. Gun, when he makes them coalesce that way, it's just downhill from there. Like that's just, he's going to give you the high, and then he's going to take it away from you as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he does. He did it right away. But he did it in a really interesting way because the last episode, when it ended with Leota finding out that Myrna is a butterfly, you think it's going to fall apart in one way. Yes, but that is not. It falls apart in a much more in a much. Quieter way. human way. 
yeah, like where they all have these secrets and they all begin to feel a little bit separate from each other. And those yeah. secrets are probably going to really come and really well, wedge it, them it, apart. It's, it's interesting because it's a thing where they had these secrets before, but they were fine with it. But once they right. became a unit, a team, the 11th yep. Street kids, these secrets started to weigh on them instantly because suddenly it's, I'm not keeping secrets from this guy I got to work with to save the world. It's I'm keeping secrets from somebody that I consider a friend now. Right. And it, yeah. and it hits instantly, except for Vigilante, who has no secrets because he tells everybody <laughs> what he's thinking all the time. <laughs> he cannot keep secrets. He does not have secrets. He doesn't understand secrets. He would have no interest in secrets. Except, except for, for his identity. identity. Yeah, that's, that's the only his only one. secret. And then that is one that nobody cares about. Yes. It's the one secret that nobody cares about. Yeah. Is who yes. he actually is. Uh yeah, a great episode. Great show. We got two more episodes left. Uh, I'm so sad by that. Both with really great um, titles, by the way. I don't even know what they are. Next week's episode is called Stop Dragging My Heart Around. <laughs> and the final episode, episode eight, is called It's Cow or Never. Oh, I guess. Okay. I think I have to go take out the cow. I suspect that next week they're going to be waylaid mostly by White Dragon before yeah. getting to the cow. I think that's yeah. probably most of what next episode is going to be. Yeah. I bet we're in for two hour episodes of pretty intense action, considering how low the action, quote unquote, low the action was this week. Yeah. And I don't mean low. I mean, like, obviously there was action in this week and there was like but stuff But it wasn't going like on. last week or- yeah. Right. It wasn't like yeah. killing dozens of people and stuff like that. Yeah. That's obviously coming. And I think we're probably going to get like a real fucking blowout in act three of this. Is, is Gunn doing the next two episodes? I don't I, know how many he did. He did a bunch of them, but I don't know if he directed the next two. I bet he directed the last one, though. I, I can't imagine he wouldn't have, right? I would think so. Like, you just feel like if it's your show and yeah. the big finale, um, yeah, uh, you feel like that would be, like, a thing that you would do. Yeah. But let's see if the Wikipedia knows. Does perhaps the Wikipedia know who directs the next two episodes? Uh, Brad Anderson directs next week, and then it is James Gunn. I don't know Brett Anderson, not by name at least. Brett Anderson uh, directed a great film called Session Nine. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a great movie. And he also directed a, a motion picture called The Machinist that uh, Christian Bale lost a lot of weight for. Yeah, that movie I don't like so much. <laughs> it's all right. It's like not great. Um, so uh, that's who Brett Anderson is. I, I would say Session Nine is like his highlight, which is a long time ago, but. By the way, the get together is a movie that just came out. So, is it? What's it? What's it about? A Friday night house party is shown through the eyes of a post grad misfit, her slacker Uber passenger, a long lost love, and neurotic boyfriend struggling to propose. Hmm. So there you go. That's why it's on my mind. I just looked this up, and I do not believe that this is on your mind. I never I heard of anybody in this fucking movie. Neither have I. But I know. About Where did you it. hear about this movie? I have no idea. Like, there's just no way that you heard about this movie. I this movie know. doesn't even exist as far as I can tell. It does. I mean, it, it legally does, but I <laughs> like legally does. But I can't believe anybody's seen it. I don't know. The get together. It's on Showtime. There you go. I probably saw the ad on Showtime though. Boy, oh boy. Two star reviews. It's on Amazon. Let's see what the Metacritic has to say about the get together. 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. No, no, no meta score on, on Metacritic, just two reviews. Ten reviews. That movie barely came out. But it came out. Yeah, that's what you were thinking of. I'm sure you were thinking of this movie. It's very, I was just watching something on Showtime before we started this, so it's possible. It is possible, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
All right. So we really enjoyed this. We got two more episodes of this. Uh, truly loving it. Uh, sad, we're going to be sad to see it end. Yes. Hopefully yeah. there's more seasons, though. Uh, down the I's and crossing the T's, right? That's what they said. That's what we've heard. And and everyone connected to it on Twitter keeps saying next season. Like, they keep talking about it in terms of this is a season, next season we're going to do blah, blah, right. blah. Yada, yada, yada. So. All right. Um, you know what we didn't talk about? What? And this is my fault. I had the Batman Calzone. It was gross. <laughs> I saw the picture of it. It looks like shit. Yeah. It's it looks gross. horrifying. How much yeah. it cost? Uh, $7. I mean, like, you kind of can't beat that no, price. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, you, it is hard to get sick for that price. <laughs> like, $7 <laughs> to get that sick? It's actually very easy to get sick for that price. You get a $7 Calzone. Oh, man. And then the next day, you don't feel well. But it looks like somebody put this on Twitter. It looks like a pizza that somebody took four bites out of. <laughs> like, that's what it looks like. <laughs> the main thing is I just keep thinking to myself of like, could they not get a better fast food deal for Batman than than Little Caesars? Like, did they go to anybody else? I wonder how that actually works on that level. I mean, having worked within um, the theater world where we did a lot of deals and worked with studios to do things. We approached them a lot yeah. of times. Like okay. we would go to them with like pitches and we would do it like in advance. So we would go out like a year out with like a list of movies that were coming out from that studio yeah. and say, we'd love to do this, this and this. We'd have meetings and brainstorm ideas for like what kind of events or parties we want to throw around certain movies or what kind of tie-ins we wanted to do. Yeah. Um, because it was for the Alamo Draft House, it was a food thing. We used to have food tie-ins that we just did outside of the studio thing. Yeah. So if you were the first person who saw the movie, uh, like at like an early screening or like an exhibitor screening, your part of your job would be to take note of whether or not characters in the movie ate or drank things. Okay. And then tr- then let the 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 culinary staff know. Okay, so they ate this. It was like a, there's like a whole thing about watermelons in this movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. then they would try to figure out like, oh, like a watermelon martini. You know, like how to tie it in. But for the big things, for the big events or the parties or whatever, we would pitch these a year and change out. Sure. And so I suspect it's probably the same for like Little Caesar and shit like that. But I, I mean, which I, I I'm sure it is, but it's like. They had Oreo, so it's not like they were going for like the low end, right? <laughs> it's just, it's just Little Caesars seems so weird to me as like we're gonna get Little Caesars for this. I feel a little bit weird that you think Oreo is not low end. It's Oreo is just a cookie, dude. But it's like a major brand cookie, right? Like yeah, when you think Oreo, of cookies, Oreos is right up there. Yeah, I mean, I do agree that Oreo is one. Like of Like they didn't do Hydrox, is what I'm saying. You know? Oh, right, right. You know, where Little Caesars, like Little Caesars, everybody knows Little Caesar or whatever, but like, oh, shit. But, it, you know, it's not what, it's not the one I think people think of, of like, oh, that's the pizza place. Like, I'm surprised it's not Pizza Hut or Domino's if they wanted pizza or McDonald's or Taco Bell or something if they wanted just fast food in general. Well, I think the, you know, I, I bet, I mean, I, I have to imagine that, um, that the company came to them because that premise of like ch- shaping a pizza, like the bat symbol, probably little seed probably would sit on that since like the last fucking Batman movie 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah. <clears throat> and probably somebody who had like that idea, you know, they want to do it for Batman V Superman, but they were like, no, it's too serious. of a movie. Also, I think that probably, I mean, I'm curious how they, how they make that pizza. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, because there has to be some kind of like. It's got to come pre-made and frozen. Like, I don't think they, I I can't imagine they sent them all like special cutters or something. That's what I was wondering. Do they have special cutters in the stores? But I can't imagine they do that. Yeah, they probably just have like frozen dough. Because that that means two pieces of calzone with like a pizza around it, like, like on the sides of it, right? That's how it's set up. And like. But that means there's a factory they had to retrofit to do that. Yeah. To just, just put that shit out there. But I mean, they, so, they introduced the calzone earlier this year, so like no, no, I know, but in terms of the it, shape, like, this is going to be a regular. But I'm saying, like, like, like that's basically the shape of the calzone. They didn't really do anything different to the shape of the calzone. They're just calling it like the Batman, aren't they? I think so. I have no idea. Do you think I have any idea? I listen. I draw a hard line at Little Caesar. Like, I just don't eat that. I don't eat Little Caesar. I, I won't. I won't do it. No matter how often that little motherfucker says pizza, pizza, I won't do it. I won't. I, won't, I will not do it. Okay, so the cal's actually the calzone has four uh, uh, calzone pieces and the pizzas in the middle. So th- this is different looking than the normal one. Like the the normal calzone looks like a cross. So they can use so it for it's Easter. Like, it's like a tie into Jesus. Yeah, it's a Jesus tie-in usually, but there now it's go. Batman. It's so like a cross. Is like the 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 German not the German Iron Cross. I bet it looks like the Iron Cross, right? Like it has um, flared. Is that flared ends? No, it does not have flared. Oh, ends. Okay. Honestly, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of cross. It, it looks like a, a thick cross, but. Thick with two C's. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, I, I, don't, I honestly don't know. It It is a weird um, tie-in, only that it does seem so shitty. Yeah. And um, everybody's making fun of it. And it seems like a bad early connection to this new <laughs> series three and a half hour long Batman well, well so many of the things they're doing for this new series three and a half hour long batman movie where again oreos they have oreos right when it's like this is a and they keep being like this is a grim and serious this is the most serious batman movie of all time make sure you get your oreos with it you know and then like they put out like like one of those like golden day books for it for like kids and it's like this is weird <laughs> like these are weird little connections you're doing but those are probably the things they always do for all of these things frankly Yes, but but it seems strange to do it with this one when they're also pushing it's so serious and yada yada yada. Although maybe not, I don't know. Like I'm trying to remember, there were a bunch of different tie-ins for it that were just like yeah, the toys for it are real weird. I don't know, I don't know. And the calzone seems to clearly be working because, as somebody pointed out on Twitter today. Every day, there's somebody else on Twitter being like, I got the calzone. Look at this. So people are ordering it. I mean, I guess. Um, I guess. I'm, I'm never going to find out anything else about it. It's gross. I will, never, I will never find anything else out about it. We had discussed both of us eating it while we discussed the movie. Yeah, I know. But you ate it early. so. Well, because you said you weren't going to do it because it's. Did you get one without pepperoni? Yes. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, well, that's initially why you said you wouldn't do it is because exactly. pepperoni. pepperoni. Yeah. yeah, but no, they have a cheese one too, as it turns well, out. So there we go. But now you already ate it, so now it's not going to be the same feel. Yeah. Oh well. Trust me, it's better for everyone. <laughs> Who needs to stop in the middle of doing a fucking three-hour podcast to take a giant shit? Because this fucking. <laughs> Batman Calzoni, and, and who needs to listen to a, uh, to a three hour podcast of two guys chewing? You know, <laughs> that's that's called ASMR, baby. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is. That, that could be our, our biggest episode. That could get us like a hundred new followers. Yeah, that's really going to bring them to the Patreon. Um, all right. 
so there's this show. We're going to be back again next week with the next episode of this show. Um, if you're listening to the show for free, good for you. Um, if you are doing that and you don't want to subscribe to our other podcast, do us a favor. Just consider uh, doing a nice old uh, rate and review. You'll rate and review on on your streaming uh, podcast service of choice. But if you do want to listen to more of us talking, we have another show called The Bad Batch where we're talking about right now the book of Boba Fett, which we've liked for the last two episodes. Very strange feeling to be enjoying that show. Uh, yes. Very unusual. And then we also have another show called Watchmen. We just released an episode where we went in-depth on Dick Tracy, the 1990 movie, and then we're going to be doing an episode in the coming weeks about Watchmen. That's the Pizza Hut of Batman movies. The, the Zack the Snyder. Little Caesars. The Little Caesars of Batman movies is Dick Tracy. <laughs> uh, the Zack Snyder Watchmen. People are very concerned that our Watchmen episode is going to be us running down Zack Snyder. No, I, I love Watchmen. I love Watchmen, and I haven't I, watched I, it in a while. It before, so, and I'll say it again: I think it's a, I think it is a better ending than the comic. I think it works better. Don't say, don't this is, don't put this out for free. We paid you the money to listen to that. All right, uh, but I think that if you're worried about us doing a podcast, where we spend three hours just shitting on a Zack Snyder movie. That is not going to be the case. It's just yeah. not going to be the case. That's just not where we come down. We have, uh, I especially have a weird reputation with the Snyder people. They they think that I'm anti Snyder. Yeah. I have been Zack Snyder's biggest supporter until he did BVS. Yes. Well, you didn't. Did you like Man of Steel? Uh, I was mixed on Man of Steel. I did not okay. like the ending of Man of Steel. I had problems with it, but I like parts of it. I think that. I, but but BBS the is the one. Hours, amazing. BBS is the one where I dropped out. I was like, I'm yeah. done. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of mixed feelings about Man of Steel, um, okay. which I think are reasonable, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm like, I'm the guy that gave Sucker Punch a good review. I really like Sucker Punch. I've discussed that before. I did so a while I, back a, a long breakdown of how there's a little thing at the end of sucker punch that I think explains the entire movie, but I can't, I can't remember all the pieces of it right now. So I'm not going to go into it, but like, I really liked it. And I, I like, I like all of his other movies. I just, his DC movies don't work for me. Yes. And I didn't like uh, army of the dead either, but well, that's the thing. I actually don't like army dead either, but I feel like, I feel like he's lost the plot as a filmmaker a lot. Yeah. But we should talk about this on the show. Um, But the point I'm trying to make, though, is that we're not going to spend three hours shitting on Watchmen because we both really like Watchmen. I love Watchmen. We think it's a really good fucking movie. I'm excited to watch it again. Yeah. I love 300. I love uh, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. So. Like, when he was doing Man of Steel, I was so excited. I was like, he's going to get it. He understands. Right. And he did not. Yeah. Well, you know, well, one day I'm sure we'll do Man of Steel on that show. Um, That show's available. in this world. Uh, Man of Steel, sorry, uh, Watchmen is rather, is our $5 and above subscriber podcast. Bad Batch is $1 and above, but at $5 you get both Watchmen and the Bad Batch, so it's a pretty good deal. And you can get that at www.patreon.com slash cinemasanga, S-A-N-G-H-A. Plus I do writing over there as well that you'll also get at those different levels. Uh, Derek, in the meantime, where can they find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at WH underscore Woolhat. You can find me on Twitter at DevonCF. We'll see you guys again next week. But until then, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you be well. But most of all, may you remain a true believer.